Cheering at pro wrestling shows in Japan is back, and 2023 is already shaping up to be a big year in the history of pro res. That's why you should listen to the Emerald Flow Show. From the Royal Road to the Green Mat, Paul and Gerard take you into the world of All Japan Pro Wrestling and Pro Wrestling NOAA. Not only do we analyze events, but we examine business, who is getting over, what angles are working, or not. Occasionally, we take a look at other Japanese promotions like DDT and Zero One. So if you're looking for more coverage of the world of Japanese wrestling, check out the Emerald Flow Show on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network, available on all of your favorite podcast apps. Hello there, friends. I hope you're not missing us too badly. But while you wait for some new episodes coming soon, we should be back in the next week with a new Rain Takers on Patreon, a new PWG on Patreon, and sometime next week with the No Surrender 2005 episode of You've Got to Be Kidding Me. But while you're waiting, we know you're sitting there desperately being like, I have nothing to listen to, Garrett. So here is our first episode of our Global Force Wrestling Series from Patreon for free for you to listen to to tide you over until next week. If you enjoy this, you can go to patreon.com slash kiddingmeortnhad.com where you can listen to this entire series, our entire Monday Night War series, our entire series of Raintakers, our entire PWG series so far, our entire Ring Cat King series, and all the other stuff we have there, including watch-alongs, drafts, show notes, star ratings, all the fun stuff. tnhad.com, patreon.com slash kiddingme. So we'll be back next week with a new episode of the main show. See you then. Welcome everybody to a brand new series here on the You've Got To Be Kidding Me Patreon. They say there's gold in them there mountains. Global Force Gold. I'm Gary Kidney. I'm joined by Liam. Liam, hey, Global Force. <laughs> My god, it's the Global Force Tornado Sirens. It's pretty good. It's like I was in the Orleans Arena in the year 2015. And what, what an arena it was. It did look like Major League. Yeah, that's the best thing about this entire show. Cage Match has the attendance listed for this first taping as 3,000, which I would believe there's pretty like pretty deep rows of people. On one side. <laughs> well, yes, but that's the way all TV works. Unless they sell the whole place out, baby. And it was probably heavily papered. But listen, you just want people in the building. Uh, well, you know, especially for a show like this where it's basically just an audition tape to hand out to people. But that's right, everybody. We're here to talk about the best wrestling pay-per-view of all time, and that is, of course, Global Force Amped. Anthology. Part one. Amptology. <laughs> so if you don't know much about Global Force Wrestling, in 2015, Jeff Jarrett started his own company again. He started Global Force Wrestling, and the idea was that he was going to tape all these shows and sell them. And he never did. So he taped over multiple tapings, 16 episodes of television that never went anywhere, never aired anywhere until 2017 when he returned to TNA and then struck up a deal that they would air as part of the One Night Only series. And they aired in a very, very strange fashion where each episode of Ant Anthology was four episodes of Ant just smushed together to be one pay-per-view. So it's one, like, three-hour sitting. It's four episodes of television. I kind of regret watching it as one three-hour sitting. I think it would have been an easier watch if I watched it, like, episode by episode. Yeah, like, I, I did it all in one sitting as well. And by the time the third episode came around, I was just upset. And I was like, I could just stop and watch the rest of it tomorrow. But I didn't. Mm. But before before we get into Amped properly, Liam, how are you? I'm fine. 
It's been a while since we've actually recorded anything. It's been over three weeks. Is it? Yeah, because we had the, the anniversary show, and the last thing we did was the most recent episode of Rain Takers. Well, gosh damn. Um, no, I'm fine. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. Uh, my brother got married. Congratulations. I have a lot of COVID symptoms, but never got COVID. It's, it's very annoying. Mm. You just got to take one of the real tests. You would probably say that you have it. I took four of the, the PCR tests, and they keep saying negative. And I'm like, God damn it. Why do I feel so low energy and have a scratchy throat? Because uh, you had to go out in public. It's just a regular freaking cold, isn't it? Ugh. I know. Who, who wants regular colds nowadays? At least get the spicy one. <laughs> Uh, TNA turned 20, which I'm sure you were very excited about. Um, I was hooting and hollering about it. Mm. Did you watch Slammiversary? No. Did you at least watch America's Most Wanted come out? No. Did you actually not watch AMW? No. It's heartbreaking. I'll watch it in 20 years when we cover it on the show. <laughs> I don't want to be spoiled. You'll cry tears of joy when you see America's Most Wanted on Slammiversary 2022 when we get to that in life. Yeah, because then, then I'll remember this exact audio and I'll be like, what have I done with my life? Yeah. Well, to be fair, if we get to 20 years, this podcast will probably be wildly successful. Yeah, we'll have a studio. We'll have our own podcasting network and our own empire. This is our second um, time capsule that we're leaving for ourselves. The first is Robbie E, and then the second yes. is, hey, remember when we talked about TNA's 20th anniversary and how we'd be wildly successful? God, imagine if we're not. <laughs> but we're still going. Yeah, I, I I like to hope that, like, outside success will force the closure of the podcast. <laughs> we'll just become infinitely wealthy and rich, uh, and we'll be like, yep, no more time. So you're going to become wildly successful and then just abandon me, is what you're saying. I mean, what, yeah, however the shoe fits. I'm too old to become wildly successful at this stage. My ship has sailed. I feel like... You bec- no, I feel like you're only you'll, you'll probably become wildly successful when you're like sixty. Oh, yeah. I feel like that happens for most people. <laughs> not really. I mean, not most people, but when, when when if people do like strike it rich in some manner, it's always like in their forties, fifties, or sixties. Well, forties is okay, and even fifties is probably fine. Sixties is a little depressing. Then you're like, I'm too old to appreciate this wild success. And just your shitty kids are going to be the ones that get all of it. Hmm. Whereas 40s, you're at least young enough to appreciate it. Mm. I'm going to blow it on buying GFW and, and opening it again. You're going to buy the intellectual property from Jeff Jarrett? Yeah. I'm going to get his. I'm gonna get the cool Karen Jarrett version of his theme. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I heard that. I was like, oh, man, uh, Jeff funked it up for the <laughs> for G- GFW. Yeah, it's her, no, that's her, that's her TNA theme. That's her boppy TNA theme. I find it, um, or at least I found it very interesting with GFW that um, a lot of these shows kind of felt like early AEW stuff, mm-hmm. which I guess that's just the structure of how you start a wrestling company. A lot of introducing people. Okay, well, yes, they were introducing people, but then they acted like we were supposed to already know like the music for people and stuff. <laughs> And the only good theme song on these shows is that Karen Jarrett theme and Bobby Roode's. <laughs> it's the non-GFW music. Yeah, the, non- the non-generic music. No, the Bollywood Boys had good music. Uh, but they didn't have the, the Rinka King theme. They did not, which is bullshit. Mm. There was a lot of Rinka King lore in this show. There was a surprising amount. And this is, like, it's in some ways a spiritual successor because it does have the Bollywood Boys, it does have Magnus, it does have Jeff Jarrett. It does have Sanjay. So there's like a lot of connective Chris tissue. Chris Adonis. And Chris Adonis. And they all, they all like call back to Rinka King. They're like, oh, Jeff Jarrett gave me my first real opportunity in Rinka King. Yeah, which is very interesting. Um, 
Well, let's do some general overall thoughts, right? Mm Mm-hmm. How do you feel about this as a starting roster for a brand new professional wrestling company? If everybody that was on these shows who were good was around a lot, I think it's pretty good. I'm not saying you don't get all the good, you get everyone. I think it's not the worst. It has very few stars, which is the reason they probably are like, hey TNA, can we have Bobby Roode? Yeah. Because there is very few people who like have truly like marketable. Well, their biggest star, star that's like them is Mickey James. Yeah, or Nick Aldis. No, it's Mickey James. My favorite thing about Nick Aldis there is, is like he jumped. He left TNA. He jumped to Global Force. And he was like, that, that was it. I assume this was his post big run in Impact. Mm-hmm. So it's like it's not like he was. Well, it's, it's kind of he's always he's been kind of become that guy now, right? Like the 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 fringe star. Yeah, so he was the global force guy, and then he became the NWA guy. I suppose, uh, and you know, he's, he made bank at both. So I mean, maybe not GFW, but he definitely made some bank at NWA. There was a promo in one of these shows where he's like, "I want to become a millionaire," and Global Force Wrestling's where I can do make that happen. It's like, oh, Nick, I, Nick. I w- I wish GFW blew up, man. Uh. I just want all of these like weird, dumb fringe companies to like become fully functioning <laughs> mm. groups. So yeah, it's a decent roster. It's like the, the all of the next gen matches are really good. Like all of them, they're all really good matches. Yeah, you know, um, so it's yeah, it's the X division. Um, it is the X division. <laughs> they, they called the next the next division at one point. I think they called it. Mm-hmm. Um, so before the You've Got to Be Kidding Me podcast came out, as everyone knows and loves today, we were throwing around a couple other ideas for what to do, right? And one of the ideas we had, well, that I pitched at least, was that we just watch every company that only existed for like one season. Mm-hmm. Which we're kind of doing. And We've I, done Rick Which we're, we're just doing, doing on the Patreon. Yeah. <laughs> we're going to do Wrestling Society X. We're going to do the XWF. We're, we're t- I would love to do Wrestling Society X. <laughs> we're technically doing WWA as part of a crossover with Days of Thunder. So, uh, Yeah, we'll, we'll hit What Culture at some point. Mm. All the one and uh, All Wheels Wrestling. Oh, we'll do that as a page. We'll do that. Actually, we'll, let's set that as a goal right now. When we get to right. 100 patrons, we'll do All Wheels Wrestling. I think you meant to set like things that people want. People really would love us to cover All Wheels Wrestling. I, I know it for a fact. And, you see, you, what you do is you just create it as podcast lore, Liam. Even if they don't yeah. want it, you create it as podcast lore, and then they do want it. What if we say, like, <laughs> we should... We... <laughs> We'll, uh, we'll put like a tier <laughs> and it's like if someone pays the one thousand dollars a month tier <laughs> we'll do i don't know what's some uh total divas yeah or every time somebody donates a thousand we'll cover all wheels wrestling just again <laughs> Ooh, that's good now we'll do a thousand you know you know we do we have the easiest one in the world which is of course you don't <laughs> all right guys thousand dollar tier you get to pick a show for us to review yeah just one <laughs> one and then there'll be like some arsehole who's like, I'm going to pick whatever the longest show is possible. <laughs> some AEW pay per view, clearly. Uh, well, then it, w- it would be good, so it's fine. Oh, yes, I have owned you. Yeah, they're, they're like, there's good wrestlers on the show, not not a lot of stars. I think that would be my assessment of this roster. And what do you think of the production of this show? I think they taped a little too little for each episode of television. Hmm. Uh, but the thing is, I don't know if they, like, even planned these out. I think they just taped a bunch of matches and angles. Yeah. And then we're just like, we're going to fill whatever we up 
whatever we need to with backstage stuff. Because there's two matches on each show, an opener and a main event, and then the entire middle of the show is just features and video packages. Some of which are pretty good. Some of which go for 10 minutes straight. When you do have like 10, 15 minutes straight of video packages on two of these episodes. Like there, there's middle of the show angles on a couple of them. So at yeah. least they filled the show out with those. Yeah, that, no, that, those ones annoyed me more. <laughs> I preferred when they at least had a match in between them. When they had just an angle in between them, it felt offensive to me. Because I just, it felt like I was still watching one of the goddamn packages. Mm, especially when one of those angles involves Karen Jarrett. Which I just, I, I, I laughed. <laughs> I laughed so hard. The co-founder, Liam, of Global Force Wrestling. Which, as soon as I saw that, I was like, oh, she's going to be a part of this. She's the co-founder? Yeah, you can be a silent co-founder. Uh, have you not realised that Stephanie McMahon invented women's wrestling in the WWE, and now uh, Karen Jarrett has invented women's wrestling in the Global Force Wrestling? Well, she was here to make sure that the women got their fair shot. mm I like the way they go on about, like, oh, this is the place where women will get their fair equal opportunity, but also their tournament is shorter than all the other tournaments. And they're on the third episode. And there's no women's matches on the first two or the fourth episode. Yeah. Um, I mean, clearly, uh, coming out of this, I'm devastated that uh, Jeff Jarrett has won again and has returned to the WWF in the... a way of power, position of power, because I would have, I, I would have loved if GFW became the number three. Mm. That would have been my dream. He could poach Nick Aldis back. Yeah, he would probably actually be like a better, a bigger star for him now. Billy should have just got Jeff to run the the NWA at this stage. Yeah, but like, I don't like the NWA presentation. But the, Jeff, it's a Jeff company then, though. Yeah, but I want, I want GFW back. I kind of love GFW. I don't know why. Like, I think it's, I just have. An affinity for a company that looks like a TW company. It's it's the lime green ropes. That's what's really winning. It me is over. the lime green ropes. I love the monster energy drink ropes. <laughs> Imagine if they had got the sponsorship. Uh, the ring apron with your monster energy and the the ropes change color depending on what monster energy drink has been plugged that month. Yeah, I kind I kind of love I love it. I love the presentation. I love the fluorescent green everywhere mm. i love the logos i love the stupid commentary team i love the <laughs> stupid logos I, I just kind of love it uh at least i won't have to drag you kicking and screaming to watch the rest of these clearly no i'm actually excited to watch these. the thing about like if i had my way garrett mm-hmm. as the sick pervert i am yes i would have a wrestling company having a flagship show every day of the week <laughs> oh no and and i am truly devastated that, like, we don't have, like... I mean, you know, I won't watch two of them, because, like, Raw and SmackDown are <laughs> two of them. But, like, I'd have Raw and SmackDown on Monday and Friday. I'd have Dynamite Wednesday. ROH would be Thursday. And GFWM would be Tuesday. <laughs> Impact on Saturday. And they would all be the same level. <laughs> and you'd just have your big one- or two-hour wrestling show every single week. Yes, that's what or I every want. Every single day, sorry. You are, you are ah, the that's... content of content fiends. I love content, and I'm um, the best. The best like six months of my life were in NXT, Ring of Honor, and TNA were on the same day. And Lucha Underground for a while. Yeah, Lucha, and I dedicated that. I knew that because that was the wrestling day, mm-hmm. and I'd sit down and I'd watch every show. Big twenty fifteen. I miss it. I miss it. All those shows still air for the most part. You could still probably... Actually, no, two of them don't. Well, but... ver- that's why I'm very excited about Ring of Honor returning. They're only going to be, like, monthly shows. I want that show shows. to be weekly very quickly. 
But like, I also, I want them to be like, I want them all to be like GFW level. I want them all in these big buildings. And that's because, you know, as we've seen from um, the podcast, I'm a, I love major league wrestling. I love wrestling that looks big and feels big, mm. which is like why, you know, there, there is a wrestling show every day of the fucking week, but like not what I want. Yes. I want I want to dynamite every day of the week. Well, you see, wrestling is not popular enough for that. I want ten thousand people in a seat every day of the week, and like different people's visions of professional wrestling playing out every day of the week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I want my vision to be one of them. Yes. So fucking subscribe, <laughs> <laughs> so we can DPW this and make our own mark company. Yeah, I just like I want DPW to be like a leading contender i want them to get television i want i want everyone to succeed and get as big as possible i want i want wrestling to be the like dominant form of entertainment i want wrestling to be the number one most viewed thing on television every day of the week <laughs> Leon's plan for wrestling world of course none of them will be doing more than a million viewers at a time but i'll still take it mm. i want i want people to represent their companies like sports teams but they're all like equal level <laughs> no I'm sick of these people who represent their companies like sports teams I want people's entire personality. I want. I wish there was a world where someone's entire personality could have been GFW. There probably was, and there probably still is, frankly. All right, time for us to buy GFWmecha.com. Uh-huh. <laughs> Clearly you. It's you that's the GFW guy now. <laughs> I tried to change my username to Global Force Wrestling. <laughs> I actually checked when I saw the handle on screen. It's like, what is that account now? It's just somebody's holding the name. Yeah, I I, I tried I, I tried to change my name to uh, Global Force Gold. Mm. Oh, does someone have that too? Yeah, someone has Global Force Gold. It's very upsetting. But I I, I really wanted it. But yeah, that's my my vision for professional wrestling, mm. and and I truly wish, I truly truly wish that was the reality in which we lived. I like that your vision for for professional wrestling is that there are seven very large wrestling companies. That's just it. One yeah. that can air one day a week. But they're all different. Mm. Oh, they can air twice a week. I just probably won't watch them be on the flagship shows. <laughs> so, episode one opened with like a video package hyping up GFW. They were like, "This isn't." Sp- I actually thought it was a pretty good GFW thing, and I like. Um, I assume like this wasn't the original plan, but I appreciated the "fuck you" TNA at the start. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was a real nice touch. I don't know. I think the like the anti TNA thing was pretty much a plan until Jarrett had to go to TNA cap in hand to get some stars for a show, <laughs> and they still did it. Yeah, I was gonna say like they have to have approval to use their logos and shit because this air like this was taped in I think it's August 2015 the first taping. Jeff Jarrett would have returned to TNA at Slammiversary that year in June, so they they he was on good terms with TNA. See, I'm just I'm 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 interested like how much of this. Uh, production and these shows looked like this, but when they were released, and how much of this was like in August of 2015, like looked exactly like this. You know what I mean? I'm I'm curious about what the changes were in that time period. I I don't imagine they. Well, actually, no, they would have had to do post production on them because they would have wanted to sell them. So they would have had to do post production on the pilot at least mm. to go to shop it around. So I'm very like I'm very curious like if. If someone did pick this up, right, mm-hmm. at the end of 2015, it would the first episode have opened up with the fuck you TNA logos? <laughs> well, like, the same person who edited them for Jarrett originally edited them for pay-per-view in the end, which is the Kevin Sullivan team, because he was part of the Jarrett crew here, and he was in TNA by the time they actually aired. 
How did he find so much time when he was too busy being a cult man? Well, yes, that too. Uh, but so it's not like it's it's a different creative vision. It's not like it was one person did them then and then another person did them in 2017. It was the same crew. Yeah, it was but the like same uh, people uh, I'm saying like how much of it is like, you know, this is going up on as a part of an impact property. We can use all the impact stuff. You know what I mean? Mm. And how much of like. Like, if that wouldn't have been the case if it was just picked up by fucking, I don't know, Spike, right? Like, they just put this on Spike. Does the, are they allowed to have all the same stuff? You know what I mean? That's what I'm curious about. Mm. How much was changed by the, like, deal being struck? Well, they were, they were working with TNA at the time anyway. So. Yeah. But I just, I just find it curious, like, presentation-wise, how these would have evolved over the couple years that did them. Because, mm, yeah, they aired then in 2017 as, as basically to, to Impact distributed them as pay-per-views, as one-night onlys. Uh, so they're talking about how this isn't scripted. They're, like, pitching it as, like, more grounded and realistic. They're going to follow wrestlers on their day-to-day journey. I like that kind of stuff. I don't think they entirely fulfilled that vision. No, it. it I think that very quickly just became wrestling vignettes. Mm-hmm. And not, like... You know, why should we care about these people as people? The only one that we really got that for was probably Nick and Mickey. Yeah, and like Nick Aldis, they did like a package from his home as well to try and be like, this is the day-to-day following them kind of thing. But yeah, I don't think that really I, I like that promo a lot because he's like, uh, people have been checking up on me. It was, it was a Samoan drop. <laughs> he's just like, I took one move, it's fine. <laughs> it was a gnarly one, but like, like he's just like, come on guys, I'm fine. Mm. So then your your global forest sirens went off, which is how they pivot between Ooh. segments. Oh, that's how we're opening up our show, by the way. You need to find some hurricane sirens and put them in. I was going to do it with a Jarrett theme, but I'll see can I find that actual siren. Mm. Then we're introduced to our commentators, our play-by-play announcer Cyrus Fees, and our color commentator Chael Sonnen. Um, so uh, I, I guess we're going to disagree on this. I like Chael. I'm indifferent to Chael, so I'll give you your liking of Chael. Um, well, <laughs> Garrett in 2017 wasn't. Oh, what did I say? Oh, oh, this is fun, because I don't even remember that I reviewed this show, and Liam yeah. was like, oh, I have your review in front of me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, what did I say about Chael in 2017? Okay, aside from some strange editing cuts and occasional weird siren, as well as Chael Sonnen being terrible on commentary, the whole presentation looks slick and professional. Video packages were designed to flesh out individual characters, graphics, and on-screen inserts looked professional, and the whole presentation looked major league. Ah, so you agree with that. Hmm. I don't agree with Chael Sonnen being terrible. He said some horrific things mm-hmm. <laughs> at times, but, um, you know, he was just doing um, a Jesse Ventura, Bobby Heenan shtick. And I think it was fine. It's clearly an evolution of my character that I, I'm so used to horrible announcing now that Chael Sonnen was just like, oh yeah, he's there. He's doing his Bobby Heenan thing, it's fine. But yeah, I mean, I think it would have played off better if there was a stronger regular announcer with him. Mm. It was very like, I was wa- watching an episode of like, Wipeout. <laughs> <laughs> like that was like, it was the aura of like, afternoon television. <laughs> yeah. This is the episode of Takeshi's Castle. Yeah, like they didn't feel like, they just felt too... White bread. Yeah, Cyrus Fees, again, he was fine. There was nothing wrong with him. But also, he's just not a particularly interesting announcer. But, like, there was just... there was not, It didn't feel like there was any feeling behind it. It was very much, we're doing a professional job here. But do we, honest to goodness, care about this Global Force thing? Probably not. No, it felt like, um... Like, morning television. Mm. And like, you're watching someone doing an interview on morning TV. And now we are going to talk about this match. Oh, Hurricane Rana. Yeah. Yeah, well, I think I, I think obviously like Chow looked sounded like he was having fun out there, 
But um, the other guy, he was just so, so, yeah, so morning television. By the numbers. I don't even know if it was by the numbers. It was just, it felt like a robot doing it. Like, there was just, there was no feeling. So, GFW used a six-sided ring? Uh, good. I wish someone would bring it back. Impact would have been using a six-sided ring at the time, but sure. I mean, now. 2022. Mm, And they refer to their fans as the Amped Army. Yes, the Amped Army. Um... Sure. <laughs> They've hashtag joined the force and become part of the Amped Army. Yeah, so I was devastated because I thought, obviously, the name for us fans was going to be the force. Mm-hmm. But it was Amped Army, and I, I much prefer the force. But probably some copyright issues with that. Yeah, I think they're going to run into some problems with Disney if they call <laughs> their fans the force. I, I was really hoping that, like, hashtag join the, the force would be the their blank is all elite. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> like, Bobby Roode, join the force. Uh, may the force be with you. And then some Disney lawyer just yeah. comes crashing through the ceiling. Who were some big 2015 free agents they could have snatched up? I think that's a problem with 2015 in general. There's not that many. Yeah. Like, Drew would have left around then, but then he got into TNA. Still, if you had a chance to make a play for Drew, probably make it. you'd probably try and get Drew at the same time. Mm. So, like... <laughs> There's just not a lot of stars on the market. It was right at the start of WWE's, like, aggressive expansion phase. Mm. And to be fair, like, with the whole Drew thing, like, I feel like his revital- revitalization happened in TNA, too, so... Yeah, and he probably needed that run for what we would go on to do in WWE. I, I think 100% he needed that run for that. I think, like, that's one, like, you know, TNA will forever get shit from every corner, but... Uh, they definitely re- revitalized both Lashley and uh, Drew. Went on to become a WrestleMania headlining match after becoming a TNA headlining match. Mm. So then we had our opening match in Global Force Wrestling Amped history as it was PJ Black versus Seiya Sonata in a next-gen title first-round match. Uh, so let's talk about Seiya Sonata's gear. I'm upset that he's like, after the nice, wholesome TNA dyed hair blue gear man. Oh, I, I love it. I love his gear here. This is, like, one of my favorite eras of Seiya Sonata. Just before he went to New Japan, and he would, like... I think he did a Big Japan Strong Climb, and I watched every uh, every tournament match, and it was, like, this era of Seiya Sonata, where, like, he still... He had, like, just freshly cut the hair to what it would become, but he was still wearing, like, bright, cool gear. Mm. I I love this era of Sonata. He's not- this is a... I have a very fond um, remembrance of this era of Sonata, too, because uh, this is when I, like, was first getting into Wrestle 1, and... When, uh, yeah, I was really into Japanese indies, and I would catch him in Old Japan, and I'd catch him in Big Japan. By the way, very upset at commentary, who mentioned his time in TNA, and they mentioned his time in All Japan, but did not mention his time in Wrestle 1. I don't think uh, either of the commentators knows what a Wrestle 1 is. That's what research is for. But if you want to know what a Wrestle 1 is... <laughs> Listen, I, we, I, we did say that at least one person had to ask for both a GFW and Wrestle 1 podcast, and at least one person did ask for each. So I put it in Liam's mm. capable hands to work out what exactly our coverage of both of those companies looks like, so uh, annoy him about it now. I'm willing to do it. Yeah, um, I assume, uh, very first thing, we'll watch the first show, we'll review the first show. Mm. After that, I'll um, I'll try and find key moments. Yeah, Wrestle 1 is easier, it's like, do we cover Gleet from the start? Do we cover Gleet from just the next show? Oh, um, uh, Gleet, I think, I, um, I want to do audio for Gleet version 3, as it's looking to be the biggest show in history, most tickets sold, looking to be a sellout, um, but I think maybe we could do some sort of regular coverage of Gleet, uh, 
once hooting and hollering are back because that is a big thing for Garrett. I do miss the hooting and the hollering. I will not force you to, to gleet with no hoots or hollers, but uh, after that, maybe we can keep up and re- like review the Corican holes and review the, the big shows. Hmm. Sonata should go to gleet. Um, I think he's, he's probably, I think he's winning his G1 block, so... Join 60 seconds. Yeah, I don't, but then he'd have to be above Azucha. But he could go back to being wholesome, Sonata. Mm. But yeah, um, I have I have some ideas for that stuff. Wrestle One's gonna be a bit of a weirder one, um, but we can we'll find something. Because this, it's, uh, trust me, if someone is trying to track down a lot of Wrestle One footage. It's pretty hard. People should really keep that stuff when it airs. I ha- I have a bunch of stuff from like 2015 onwards, but that earlier stuff is a little harder. So PJ Black's also in this match. Uh, yes, another former. Uh, I don't think he went to Japan. <laughs> He probably did go to Japan at some stage. Because it's funny, there's a promo on the show where Killer Cross is like, I've been to Japan. It's like, no, you haven't. Yeah, I was going to double check that. <laughs> he did one IGF show where he lost an attack. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, it was like Mr. Japan over here and his one... Not even a tour! He did one show! He did not work any Japan. That's a lie. <laughs> Fuck. I'm looking at these logos, I don't see any. Justin Gabriel has worked two shows in Japan. It doesn't count when it was WWE. Where he faced Wade Barrett and Jinder Mahal. It doesn't count. Uh, he also did one strong no, he show. he never worked in Japan. Which also doesn't count, but he did work for New Japan. He's done like 15 New Japan matches, just none of them in Japan. So there you go, PJ Black. Uh, like, the former Justin Gabriel, a, a weird wrestler in that he always feels like he should be better than he actually is. It's also one of those guys that I think, um, if you were a WWE fan at the time, especially, like, you know, a lot of my friends and even me at the time was like, oh, man, this guy rules. Mm. <laughs> Why isn't he being used better? And then he kind of left and he was just just kind of middled, middling around. Because he's one of, like, the very few people on WWE television who did, like, cool moves. Yeah, well, he he comes from that era of WTV where it's like if you do a 450, you're automatically cooler than like most of the other wrestlers, even if you don't do any other cool high flying stuff. Mm-hmm. Like he comes from an era where a 450 was enough. Yeah, remember those days? It was a good 450 to be fair. It was, except when you fucked it up. That actually was cooler. That's true. So they they have a good match. Yeah, this was a fun little match. Um, I thought Sonata was good here too. I, I, towards the end, I was biting on both fin- like both people's spots so. That is the pro of not having any idea who's the pushed entity in this company. Yeah, it kind of started a little house showy, mm. which I was like, I don't know if that'd be my episode one opener. Yeah, kick it into gear, guys. Yeah. I might have even opened with the Lucha Six Man. Mm. But um, yeah, I like, yeah, actually, I probably would have been there. I would have swapped these two around, probably. So you both missed moonsaults. Sonata hit his tiger suplex, which Cyrus Fees informed us is called This Is It. Yes. Which I did not know. Uh, hit a TKO out of a crucifix for a near fall before Black won with a springboard 450. I was really hoping that um, he's like when he said, this is it, Charles Sutton was going to be like, no it isn't! <laughs> His move is false advertising. I'm very curious if we will see any more Sayatanada. There is one Japanese wrestler on this episode that makes his only appearance, but we'll get to that in episode two. And it's a very weird one too. Mm. Uh, PJ does a promo later in the show where he's like, oh, it was a hard match, but I won. Yeah. So they showed us the brackets for the next gen championship tournament. It is uh, four qualifiers into a four way title match. So PJ Black faces Sonata. PJ Black won. Sanjay Duff faces Jigsaw. TJP faces Andrew Everett and Trevor Lee. Rubik's. Uh, sorry, it's Jigsaw. 
Rubik's. And Trevor Lee faces a, a an opponent to be determined. Um, I hope it's Kushida. That would make a lot of sense. It would make a lot of sense, but we'll talk about that in a second. Uh, we then had the first of, frankly, many features on Kevin Cross. Yeah, um... <laughs> interesting about gfw mm-hmm. is that kevin cross was going to be their aj <laughs> but also he lost his first match we'll get to that in a second so did aj <laughs> that's true he did lose to the flying elvises so yeah um it's like you see kevin cross like at this point and so early it's like you get why people were like mm. we, we we should we should get him you know what i mean because he's only a year in here and he does have presence and he is okay and he has a look but also, I don't think he ever got better than this. Yeah, I, I, he's had some he's had some moments, and it's all about how you use him too. Mm. But um, like I definitely you get why they this would be a guy that Jeff would be like, ooh, could be a possible star for us. And honestly, like in the Bobby Roode match, I was like, he's working a very different style to the style he works now, and I kind of like it more. Well, you see, every company that ever booked him eventually worked out that like his level is upper mid card roadblock for the guy you're actually pushing. And I don't think he ever saw himself as that. I mean, you know, fair play if you think you, if like you're above that. And to be heard, uh, Triple H did book him above that, but also he was bad in that role. So, but also I think you could have booked him at that level while also using him better and not putting him in like thirty minute matches with Keith Lee. Mm. So Kevin Cross, he's not a killer yet. He has not yet killed a man, so he's just Kevin. He is just Kevin Cross, which is so weird to hear now, after Carrion and. Killer. Carry on my Kevin son. Great. He informs us of all of his nicknames. He is the Toll Man. Bad. Because he takes time off your career, you see, Liam. But I thought because you had to pay the toll. He is the Herald of Doomsday. That is a... That's one we, we will see in many years to come. And the most vicious shooter in professional wrestling. I mean, come on. But, like, I, I, I don't... You shouldn't call yourself a shooter. <laughs> He's going to shoot on all the Global Four stars. But Garrett, what does that mean when about everyone else who fights? <laughs> They're not good fighters. Ah, oh, I thought I meant that everyone else was doing fake wrestling. They are merely cooperating. <gasps> so, pew, pew, pew. He tells us he was voted Rookie of the Year in his opening year, which I don't think was a Dave Meltzer award. <laughs> no, it definitely wasn't. I, I was, he probably won some sort of Rookie of the Year. It was the Future Stars of Wrestling, the FSW, the promotion in Vegas. Yeah. See, like, I don't, I, and, like, this is being based out of Vegas for these tapings. You can see why they were like, all right, let's give him a go. Mm. And then there were, he was like, oh, I've been to Europe, I've been to Japan, which is where it's like, have you? And that's where he checked where he had his single IGF match. And there you go. Who was his IGF match against? I don't know. I didn't recognize the names. It was a tag match he lost. I, um, I mean, like, yeah, I don't know, man. I get it. Mm. <laughs> Do I love, like, the guy as a wrestler? Like, personally? Not really. But, like, I get it. I think I've always thought he's had a very he's a good look and a good presence. Mm. If only he could wrestle. Even like now, I'm just like, it's not like he is lazy either. Mm. Like he tries. He's just not good. <sighs> but like he, he honestly he does everything right. <laughs> you think like he would just it just doesn't click for him, I guess. So there's a very important timeline note we have to make about this show. Ooh. When this show was taped in August of 2015, Bobby Roode was a TNA wrestling star. When this show yep. aired. In 2017, Bobby Roode was an NXT star. Yep. So the point of this next segment is that Bobby Roode is an invading force coming into Global Force Wrestling 
And if you watch during the entrance, they don't actually entirely specify what company he's coming from. So they cut out that segment in 2017, that just Bobby Roode's entrance. And like there's the YouTube title of like, what's Bobby Roode doing invading? <laughs> to present it as if the NXT star Bobby Roode had jumped to Global Force Wrestling. Yeah, so um, it's very funny. And I had seen that video many a time mm-hmm. and been very confused by it. Um, I don't know. It's fine. <laughs> Love a bit of like just sneaky false advertising. You gotta, you gotta appreciate it. There's an art to it. But like, are they gonna? Are they really gaining anything from that? You know? No, they're just making themselves look small. I just think it's funny more than anything. I'm glad it happened. Mm. So Rude comes out and he says he does not belong here because he's a TNA wrestling guy. And then he says the words "always have been" and "sure as well." Always will be. Mm-hmm. I probably thought he was at the time. <laughs> this is a lot of fun because um, when he's coming out, he's like acting like he's going to be the babyface ace of the company, mm. <laughs> and then uh, like, and you think that he, what puts that across too is that Charles Sonnen's burying him the whole time. So you think, oh yeah, this guy's going to be like a huge babyface, and he comes in and he's like, this place is shit. And you're like, oh shit, what a swerve. You would have thought because this aired as essentially a TNA and Impact property. You would have thought it's like, let's take out the line where the guy who left says he will always be a TNA wrestling guy. <laughs> I don't know why. I think you leave that. Yeah, Rude runs down all of GFW. He's like, oh, I've, I'm a great wrestler. I've won all these titles. Uh, and then look at all these people in, that I've held the title longer than, the TNA title longer than, including Jeff Jarrett. <gasps> so again, to go back to the timeline, this was taped in August of 2015 when Jarrett, uh, after Jarrett returned to TNA. So Rude was mad about Jarrett winning the King of the Mountain match at Slammiversary, and that's why he's shown up to Global Force Wrestling. Cool. Jarrett took something from them, so he's going to take something from Jarrett. The GFW Global Championship. The most prestigious prize in the history of our sport. The Global Force Wrestling Global Championship. So he's interrupted by the actual ace of Global Force Wrestling, Nick Aldis. Um, who really dressed up for the occasion. Really? Yeah. He's like, listen, pair of tracksuit pants, nice shirt. <laughs> No, sorry, that's not a shirt. It's a shirt? Singlet. <laughs> Tiny gold gym singlet and track pants. That still counts as a shirt. No, it does not. If you cut the sleeves off the shirt, it's still a shirt. No, that is a singlet. A singlet. It's a type of shirt. No, you wear a singlet under a shirt, you animal. No, there are all kinds of shirts. Nope. And that's what's most jarring about it is like after being like, Nick Aldis NWA suit guy mm. for like the last five years. Seeing him look like a fucking slob here. He's like, he's the put together fancy high society guy. Even like in the British Invasion, that was kind of their shtick, even if he never really wore clothes. But here he's just wandering out in his freaking gym clothes. Did it work out? Showed up to yeah. the Global Force Wrestling. <laughs> Looking jacked though. There was a very good line in the, the main event where... He was, he's facing Kongo Kong, and, and uh, Chael Sonnen's like, Oh, Kongo Kong clearly working out here. Nick Aldis, he's not putting effort into this at all. I like um in the, the build-up to the Kongo Kong match, and Nick Aldis is like, Kongo Kong, he definitely has a physique. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's just like, that's, that's the best he could come up with. And he clearly didn't sound confident when he was saying what he was saying. Uh, so Aldis says he respects Rude, he does a cheap Vegas pop, he says all these people have joined the force. Just like me. Damn, they just like me for real. Then Aldis says, unlike Rude's boss, 
they all have respect for the business. Yeah, fuck you, Dixie. To which the crowd then chants, Dixie sucks. Yeah, so keeping the the Jeff Jarrett tradition of making your first show all about someone else. Mm. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. You cannot possibly make a wrestling company about anything other than things that have happened in other wrestling companies. No. Probably would have been better to have, like, rude beat up Outers post-main event or something. Like, have Outers and Kong go in the main event and then do this. Mm, then you have, like, the big shocking debut instead of he just... And you close it on it and not, like, the second segment. And not him just, like, walking out with a microphone with, like, the tacit approval of GFW. Yeah. So, Kong Kong comes out, he lays out all this with a Samoan drop that Rude locks all this in the crossface. Yep. Uh, after, like, doing, like, a, like a, oh, I'm a good guy, maybe? No. So that sets up our defining rivalry of, of Global Force Wrestling, Bobby Roode and Nick Aldis. Well, we don't know that's going to be the defining rivalry. It's true, it could be anything. We, I, I, we haven't seen barely a thing yet. Mm. So we have another GFW hype video hyping up all the many things they believe in that randomly had shots of J.R. and Mick Foley. Don't know why. Um, because this company's going to be a big deal. All these big stars are on board with the Force. If they had had Jim Ross on this, it might have, like, worked. Or Mick Foley. <laughs> or both, yeah. If Mick Foley was, like, the on-air authority figure for Global Force? What if the commentary team was Mick Foley and Jim Ross? Wasn't that an actual SmackDown commentary team? Probably at some In, point. In, like, 2008? Probably at some point. So then, straight out of the Jeff Jarrett playbook, our main event was a Lucha main event. Six-man tag. <laughs> With some real names in here. Yeah, Bestia 666, Blood Eagle, and Shamu Jr. face Mysterioso Jr., Zocque, and Phoenix there, the Los Luchas. Did you unmask... <laughs> Shamu Jr. in your review. Uh, did I? I? I don't remember. Tell me. Mysterioso Jr. Phoenix Star and Zokray defeats Beast 666, Blood Eagle, and Steve Payne. Oh, maybe I did then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then you didn't mention it, like, at all. I'm just, like, exposing gimmicks and pulling masks off, just casually. Yeah. So one of these team I know really well. <laughs> I assume it's the Lost Luchas and Mysterioso Jr. Mysterioso Jr., uh, of course, New Japan strong fame, mm -hmm. a constant, uh, I think a member of Stray Dog Army. Nice. And Lost Luchas, I've seen a, a billion Lost Luchas matches in my life, mm -hmm. uh, from PWG days. Must be noted, the team of Mysterioso Jr. and Lost Luchas came out to the eventual Alberto El Patron TNA theme. Was that a good theme? I forgot. No, it's not. I hate it. CCCC. Mm. Uh, they did the nice little Flippy Boy main event. It was fun. Yeah, they just did flips. Yeah, I would have made this the opener. Uh, Chael Sonnen talked about how he loves his Flippy Boys. It's like, I love when they incorporate gymnastics into wrestling. I adore it. It's, it doesn't sound like he, he does. doesn't sound entirely sincere, but that's what he said. Chael Sonnen just sounds like Dan Lambert's on commentary. Mm, you should talk about all the titles he has at home. <laughs> he couldn't talk very long. Got him. Uh, Lost Luchas won with a moonsault across the knees. I actually don't remember who they pinned. Say it was Steve Payne. Yeah, Steve Payne. Sorry, you got pinned. That, and that's the end. That's the end of the episode. Yeah, we ended the episode with a feature on all the things that are going to happen this season on Global Force Wrestling. A lot of these are 
video packages just had the ends of matches in them. Listen, do you, do you want a big t- t- tease? Nothing else happens on these shows other than the finishes. Yeah, but <laughs> don't spoil them. <laughs> that brings us to episode two as we recap everything that happened last week and then hype up our two big stuff, uh, hype up our big match tonight, which is Killer Cross, sorry, Kevin, against Bobby Roode in the, it's not actually a tournament match, it's a global t- title tournament qualifier to get into the tournament. Mm. And then we open with Kushida versus Virgil Flynn. Who the fuck is Virgil Flynn? He's a local Vegas guy who passed away in 2018 from a stroke. Oh no, not Virgil Flynn. I always get very sad when we do all these shows and I'm like, oh, what's Virgil? Oh, oh. Yeah, that's sad. Um, Virgil Flynn was an interesting fella mm-hmm. on this show. Honestly, his match wasn't bad. Yeah, I thought that they had a good match here where Kushida was obviously, he's freaking Kushida. They did a feature beforehand yeah. where they, Flynn was like, I think Kushida's t- not taking me seriously. He's not scouting me. And then Kushida's like, I won the best of the Super Juniors. I'm like the best wrestler. <laughs> yeah, he's like, he, the only thing about it is he goes like, I won the best of the Super Juniors and the IWGB Championship belt is my favorite thing. Yeah. <laughs> that was his promo. Um, I actually, I really love Virgil Flynn's line where he's like, I've seen a bunch of Kushida matches. Has Kushida ever seen one Virgil Flynn match? He probably hasn't. No, it was a, that's a great line. Mm. Um, would you like to hear some snippy 2017, Garrett? Oh, sure. Despite being repeatedly called a newbie and being discussed as being more inexperienced than Kushida, a graphic earlier in the show showed that Finn had 11 years of experience to Kushida's 9. Oh, I didn't even notice that here. Yeah, good good call, Garrett. Good. Uh, I, there is a, a note I will make about some of the on-screen graphics and what they're presenting information about later, particularly in the Nick Aldis-Congo mm. Kong match and the <laughs> potential height difference that was suggested between these two men. Versus reality. Mm-hmm. But, mm-hmm. yes, uh, clearly Virgil Flynn's actually the, the experienced veteran pro here. Yeah, uh, this match uh, was fun. It was decent. But Virgil Flynn, like, looked... He just looks so shindy. Yeah, and he's just... its You're in there with Kushida. One of, like, the smoothest, best, like, technical wrestlers in the world. I'm not even saying, like, in ring that he looked that, like, blown out by. It. Just, like, his gear and his presentation and his skinny and, you know, like, it just didn't look TV. Mm. But, like, that's kind of the character as well, though, to be fair. Yeah. That he is this inexperienced guy. He is, well, he's not. But but then I'm just going to root for Kushida, because Kushida's cooler. Yeah, they, they worked a, a decent little match. Kushida worked over the arm, eventually pinned him, or submitted him with his arm gimmick. <laughs> Fucking Virgil Flynn got a lot. Well, the, you, you see why, because, like, one, this is Kushida's only match, and two, the point is that Flynn is supposed to be so impressive here that he's put in the tournament. So I, I do think they just about got there with that. Yeah. Uh, they did have some New Japan footage during Kushida's video. He did come out with the IWGP Junior Heavyweight title, but he did not come out to his New <laughs> Japan music, which was very upsetting. Yeah, well, you see, you re- the reason that happened is the New Japan footage they got was just some bl- B-block best of the Super Junior YouTube video. <laughs> they cut they ripped right off of YouTube and put into the show. Yes. <laughs> it even had, like, the closed captions on, if you look closely. <laughs> yeah, that's some real, like, Liam doing some editing shit. Yeah, the pros. Pros going here at the Global Force. But, um, yeah, the, act- the match was actually pretty fun. Yeah, they had a good match. Uh, after the match, they had a, a, a video or an interview later in the show where they caught up and Kushida's like, he's a good wrestler. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we had the video about all this. He was at, at his home talking about that Congo Kong attack. And he's like, nah, it was one Samoan drop, I'm grand. Oh, which is a, uh, to be fair, it was a cool Samoan drop. Yeah. And he's like, I hope Bobby Roode goes all the way in this tournament so I can face him. I had uh, a little bit of an affinity for the old Congo Kong for a while there. Mm-hmm. Um, he was an AAW guy when I was really into AAW. He is pretty good. Hmm. 
And that's all we'll be saying about that. <laughs> there was a feature on the Women of Global Force Wrestling. They threw shade at the knockouts and the divas. Okay. <laughs> but, like, the, the extent of the shade was just, uh, we called them women. Yeah. Which I guess is the bare minimum. <laughs> just refer to them as people. Yeah, refer to them as human beings. So Karen's like, I'll let these women made event. Karen specifically will let them. Nobody else. Yeah, Jeff was fighting against <laughs> it, but... Much like Russo, Karen was like, oh, I'm making the changes, bro. So it's Mickey James, Lady Toppa, and Christina Vanieri were all featured. They're like the, the three people who will be in the first uh, qualifier for the women's title match. Two of those are good. You're a big Lady Toppa fan? <laughs> yeah. But fuck Mickey James. Lady Toppa's theme song. Which is just like Lady Toppa. Lady Toppa. <sighs> Lady Toppa. Lady Toppa. Didn't she get like signed briefly by the Fed? Did she? She worked. TNA for a while. I know that she was a, like around TNA for a while, but I think she uh eventually got like a like signed for a, a minute, but then like never actually wrestled. Or maybe I'm thinking of Alpha Female. You're thinking of Mahabali Shira. Um, uh, she also appeared for All Elite Wrestling in November third, twenty twenty. Oh, who'd she wrestle? She wrestled uh Kaylin King uh, in a losing effort on AEW Dark. Oh, if you're losing to Kaylin King, that's not going great. <laughs> I actually do remember that. Lady Topper. Lady Topper. Um, also, the, uh, something that blew my mind away was uh, when I was watching a random Ryzen show in 2017, and she came to and she fought Raina and lost. Uh-huh. Raina's cool though, so it's fine. Lady Topper's doing a lot of losing. Yeah, well, step up to King Raina. So we had a feature about uh, Kevin Cross. He's looking mean. Yeah. The big MMA boy just beating people up. Yeah. He didn't do much of that in, in his match. No, he didn't. We had the first of what would become many features about Chris Mordetsky. Uh, so you're pushing this Chris Mordetsky uh, feature number one guy. I still think it's Kevin Cross. I don't know, because there's three weeks in a row where they air Chris Masters' video vignettes. Yeah, but Kevin Cross got, like, two a week. <laughs> they were shorter, but he got, like, two a week. But at least they were, like, building up to a match that Cross was having on this show. Like, Chris Masters versus, versus Brian Myers is currently... As of this episode, four weeks away, and they're still doing a bunch of Chris Masters videos. Yeah, they're building up to the big match. I hope Brian Myers wins. Mm. If only uh, there wasn't some sort of vignette that would have shown him losing. So Chris Masters was like, I was known as a body guy, but I wanted to be known as a wrestler. And he's like, I was getting there when I was I was in WWE, but then they fired me. Poor guy. Which is the general like consensus about all Chris. Mm. Like As soon as it was finally starting to click for him. They booted him. There was that very famous promo where Triple H mocked him for losing his size because they stopped using steroids. But Unlike Triple H, who has been clean his entire career. the cleanest of wrestlers. So mm-hmm. they showed us the brackets for the GFW Tag Team Tournament. It's the Bollywood Boys versus the Akbars, Los Luchas versus Reno Scum, uh, Mysterioso and Somebody, Tielo, don't know who that is, versus Tees and Sleaze, and The Bullet Club versus Killer Elite Squad. Foot, 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 foot life some big stars in that last match maybe they should have put them on some of these episodes um no they would have to have been there that's true so speaking of that tournament we had a feature on the bollywood boys they showed some eccw footage they showed footage of their they showed photos of the bollywood boys with edge and brett and then of course talked about rinka king rinka king and then we had our main event after weeks of building up killer cross as the best shooter in pro wrestling bobby Roode just tapped him out to a cross face I love that so much that Cross for his just entire career 
They couldn't. You couldn't at least like just pin him. But you couldn't have given him like a couple matches before Rude beats him. Like put him in the tournament. Maybe make this a semi-final. Nah, we're gonna send Cross out, the vicious shooter of professional wrestling, and Bobby Rude's just gonna bitch him out to a cross face. I guess they just wanted to like put him in there with an actual star to give him that association. But like this is the like the story of Cross's entire career. Even New Japan just did it, building him up again as a killer, and then Suzuki just beats him like a bitch. Yep. I love it. I absolutely love it that this has been happening everywhere for Cross for his entire goddamn career. The only place that really kind of did it right was NXT. Mm, Paul's like, I love this guy. He's definitely a Paul guy. Hey, Paul's back in charge now. Maybe maybe we'll see Kevin Cross in Rainbow NXT. Yeah, hopefully it's Kevin as well. And he plays a completely different character. He's not the killer moody man anymore. He's playing like a, an, an NXT 2.0 character. Yeah, he's like, uh, he's a motocross <laughs> rider. Yeah. He's the new dirt bike kid. Uh... Chael Sonnen once they said that Bobby Roode's a 100 to 1 favorite, which I, that's not how that works, Chael. Mm-hmm. So yeah, Roode, like, the story of this match is that, like, Roode out-wrestled them. He threw his shoulder into the post, then worked his arm and just submitted him. That's the story of the match, that the most vicious shooter in wrestling was just outworked by Bobby Roode. Got outshot. Also, the transition where Cross did, like, the stack-up pin and then Roode uh, transitioned into the cross phase, very smooth. I like Cross, like, just being, like, a big, weird wrestler guy. Mm. It's fun. And then we close the show with a promo from the Akbars. Yep. Where Jeff Jarrett loves nothing in the world more than a foreign heel. Yep. This brings us to episode three of Rinkaking. Again, opening with a video recap and previewing Mickey versus Vonnieri versus Tapa, which is our main event. Mm-hmm. So some dude, later identified as Henry Maxwell, starts the show obnoxiously singing him. That's Maxwell Chicago, thank you very Who's much. Who's Maxwell Chicago? Oh, Chicago indie legend. Is he? Uh notorious uh receiver of hate from vow flagship oh <laughs> maxwell chicago why why do they hate him because <laughs> he's because they don't think he's very good well, i can see why and there was a run where he was like on every show <laughs> uh, and i recognized him immediately so yeah he starts because i am a true pro wrestling he fan. starts singing america the beautiful here before the akbar has come out and cut him off because they hate america which is <laughs> like yeah, so, you know, they could have built this up by at least doing this on every other show. Mm. <laughs> but, but, you know, this just happened to be the one time that they needed to sing America the Beautiful. Yeah, some guy who they did not identify until after they were running him off came out to sing America the Beautiful, and it's a travesty that he's been interrupted. I mean, I'm devastated. So they want the tag titles, but then the Bollywood Boys come out to have our opening match, the first round match in the tag team title tournament, the Bollywood Boys versus the Akbars. Yep. They also had a very boring match, very reminiscent of a Rinka King tag match where nothing happened and then they just did the finish. Uh, yeah, they were just uh, they were just sticking to it, you just know. Heat and heat. They they were they went back to their roots of the Rinka King. Get some heat, get some more heat, get some more heat. Finish. <laughs> so yeah, Bollywood boys hit Ali with a top rope back elbow followed by a top rope elbow drop for the win. They advance in the tag team title tournament. They did put the wrong brackets on screen here. <laughs> I didn't even see the tag team brackets. Because they showed the brackets on the first show where the, the winners of this match were supposed to face the winners of Los Luchas and Reno Scum. But if you look at the brackets they showed after this match, they had the winners of this match facing the winners of Bullet Club and Killer Elite Squad. And I'm like, no, those aren't your brackets. What if this is the right brackets? Well, though? no, Cyrus Fees on commentary even said, like, the winners of this will now go on to face the winners of Los Luchas and Reno Scum. And then the brackets on screen did not reflect that. Hmm. I just think Cyrus doesn't know what he's talking about. Inconsistency here in the ring, the ring cucking. Yes, it's ring cucking. In the Global Force Wrestling. Ring cucking. So we went to uh, a feature on Sanjay. Yes. Um, 
I mean, listen, how many times have we seen this exact same kind of thing with Sanjay now? Yeah, he's like, oh, I broke into wrestling, signed with TNA, went to George Washington University, doing a degree in, like, PR. But I still have something to prove. I'm inspired by my family, and I want to, I still have, uh, want to win titles in wrestling and all that stuff. Yep. Then we also went to a feature on Jigsaw, who talked about how he's... Rubik's, Rubik's, Rubik's. <laughs> we talked about how he's worked so hard in his entire career, but still hasn't gotten his breakout opportunity, and he goes out to just have good matches, and maybe he needs to go out with the cutting edge because he needs to win titles. Yeah, like a Rubik's Cube. So that'll be our match next week. We had another Chris Mordetsky feature, mm-hmm. this time talking a little about ring hacking. Mm-hmm. And then Liam, the savior of women's wrestling arrived. You gotta do the boom, 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 Yeah, Karen Jarrett's here. Funny how like we see Karen before we see Jeff. But there, in the, it's coming up this season. There is like Jeff Jarrett's confrontation with Bobby Roode. They do show a little bit of it, but yeah, Karen actually comes out to address the crowd before Jeff does. You think they thought it was Jeff? <laughs> like me? Oh, you just hear the boppy Jeff Jarrett theme and you're like, oh, Jeff is here. Oh. Yeah, I thought Jeff got like funky for GWF. No, it's Carrot. Unfortunately. So she's here to take credit for all of women's wrestling. It just reminds me of the greatest Karen Jarrett moment. Which is? Uh, her and Jeff at WrestleCon where she starts spitting at fans. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and honestly though, I love it. Like I'm not even mad about it. It's great. Mm. It's just her all over, isn't it? They're just both kind of toasted going to the ring. Yeah. So she announces that she's the co-founder of Global Force Wrestling. I don't think she announced that. No, she did. She's like, I'm the co-founder of Global Force Wrestling. Mm, yeah, but that was that was known. It wasn't like a, a breaking news. Karen Jarrett is co-founder. It's true. Then she said she's here to make sure women get the spotlight. Of the third episode main event. Mm. Lady Tapa then came out, to which... I'm not sure it was a Chael or Cyrus, but one of them said, I know that music. And I would say, how? We've never heard it before. Well, let's see what Garrett of 2017 had to say about that oh, music. No. Lady Tapper interrupted to the best theme song in GWF history? You know what? I'll allow it. Lady Tapper. It was mostly just someone saying Lady Tapper over and over Lady again. Tapper. Lady Tapper. Karen emasculated Tapper's long unnamed husband. Lady Tapper. <laughs> Why did you call him long? I don't know. Was he somewhere before this? He's Royal Red. He was named here. <laughs> you called him Long. Yeah, Long unnamed. As in he has been unnamed for a long period of time. <laughs> I think it's been like he was a long guy. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> uh, I was like, he didn't seem that like tall. Like he was named. He was called Royal Red. No, oh, you said Long unnamed. Mm, maybe I'm referencing something else. Maybe he was in TNA or something. I don't know. Or I'm just stupid and wrong. 2017 me is very stupid. Yeah, well... We will see. So Royal Red, who is her manager and husband, was mad that Mickey James is getting all the focus here, not Lady Tapa. But then Karen, the real star, stood up to Lady Tapa and punked her out like a bitch. Yeah, and it was kind of mean. She's like, unlike you, I don't need my husband to talk for me. So you get in action, bitch. Yeah, he just founded the company for me. Yeah, I I am here as co-founder entirely on merit. Uh... Yeah, this, I don't know, like, this wasn't good. Like, Karen punking out the big, like, dominant force in the women's division is really bad. I hate that shit. Mm. Speaking of hate, we had another feature on Kevin Cross. By the way, I'd like to mention that Kevin Cross is still a- a- ahead of Chris Adonis in video sure, I think it's currently three... Two to four. Is it, is it two to four? Because he had two in the same one. Because <laughs> he had the little post-match one, mm. too. 
So he, this is where he's like, I want to make millions. He's like, says the loss will make him a better wrestler. Then they have clips of him working out with his injured arm. Cool. They're still trying to pretend like he's this big tough man, even though Bobby Roode beat him comfortably. <laughs> yep. We had another all this feature this time, like going into depth on his career, talking about his time on Gladiators in the UK as Oblivion, the Big O. <laughs> yes. Talking about TNA. Talking about Rinka King, of course. Not the Big O. He's a Big O. It's true. The Big O is a different wrestler. And of course, talking about his time with Rinka King. Yeah. Being fully nostalgic for Sir Brutus Magnus as part of RDX. Ah, better he should have come out with the the Rinka King Championship. They did steal it. They did run away on the truck with it. Yeah. They all should have come out with the Audi. Sandra should should have come out with the wings. Mm. That's how if anyone would have won. And they talk expressly about how he jumped, jumped Liam from TNA to GFW. And what did this? Because he believes in the 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 vision of Jeff Jarrett and the global force. You joined the force. And then we had our main event, Lady Topper versus Mickey James versus Christina Von Eri, Christina Von Eri in a women's title semi-final match. It's her Christina Von Eri. It is. See what you did there. Good. See what you did there. Uh, Mickey did not come out to Hardcore Country, which is quite disappointing. Which is literally the first line of your review of this match. I love how, I, again, I didn't read that review. It's literally the first line of my notes here as well. Yeah. Uh, this match was okay, I guess. I got nothing for I can it. at least add some additional context that the theme she did come out to would go on to become Kiara Hogan's first theme in Impact. Well, actually, you said that here as well. But I would have written that before Kiara Hogan debuted in Impact. How did I know? Listen, you must have known something. <laughs> yeah, Toppa hit a cool, like, double Samoan drop. That was pretty neat. Yeah, it was okay. There was, like, a replay of a forearm by Mickey that they nearly certainly had to put in to edit around something that went very badly. <laughs> yeah. No, there's that young knockout kid. Mickey James. Mm. Uh, Mickey hit the McDT on uh, Lady Topper. Did not look good. No. Like, at anything, like talking or wrestling or moving around. So, yeah, Mickey hit the McDT. Christina Von Eri threw her out. Then hit, like, a necktie backbreaker out of the corner, which is pretty neat mm. for the win. There's some fun stuff. But uh, I like Christina Von Eri. I always have. Was one of the first um, indie women that I kind of saw. Mm. I do find it funny that, like, they built up two people as monsters on these shows, Cross and Lady Tapa, and then pinned them both immediately. I mean, listen, Mickey ain't taking the fall. That's true. So, Vaniri advances to the finals of the Women's Championship Tournament. She will face the winner of Katarina Lee, Bullet Babe, and Laura James. Yeah, well, um, Garrett spoiled that one for me, so... Did I? In your review... This is what you get for reading 2017, me. Shake my damn head. So then we had a confrontation between Aldis and Kong to end the show, plus hype for next week. With a new manager, Maxwell Chicago. I found it very funny that that was a thing that was meant to be set up on social media, but obviously this company never had social media, so it just never happened. <laughs> so like the the angle where Maxwell Chicago became Kong's manager, which I think they do show in the, the package next week. Again, they, it's mentioned on commentary. It's like, oh, on social media, these two came together. It's like, no, they didn't. Yeah. And then last show of this episode, episode four of Rinka King, it previewed all this versus Kong and Jigsaw versus Dutt while recapping last week. We got the brackets for the world title tournament, Liam. It's a big Sorry, one. global title tournament. Thank you. So Chris Mordetsky will face Brian Myers, which you already knew. Nick Aldis will face Kongo Kong, which is our main event of this episode. Shelton Benjamin will <laughs> face J.R. Kratos. Two New Japan legends. And then Bobby Roode will face an opponent to be determined. <sighs> I literally have no clue who it is. Not to be mistaken with the Gravity Falls character, Toby Determined. It's not him. In a rematch of a noted 2012 TNA match, Jigsaw faced Sanjay Dutton in the first round match of a Gen Next tournament title tournament. 
Alright, talk about the teenage. Well, thing. the anniversary of it as we record was yesterday, which funny funny enough. Where that they were they had a, a just a kick ass four minute television match, which was Jigsaw's T V debut. It ruled Rubik's Sorry, Rubik's, yes. Rubik's T V debut. It ruled. Rubik's looked awesome, and then Rubik's was only seen like two other times for other exhibition shows. I remember watching that at the time and everyone being like, Wow, he's getting signed. Yeah, sign this man. He looks awesome. Yeah, but Unfortunately, we never got I'm sure it. Eric Bischoff came up with a reason. I'm sure you... Eric Bischoff on his podcast will talk about how there was some galaxy brain reason why he wasn't signed. Uh, Jigsaw just always been one of those guys that just always around, but never never quite broke through to that next level, unfortunately. Because he's ruled. That was what his entire feature was about last week. Where he's like, I'm a guy who's always around, but never breaks through to the next level. Well, maybe he'll win the next-gen to- title tournament. Yeah, so he beats Sanjay here with the Gigantonic. Uh, very good match. Very enjoyable match here again. Jigsaw rules. Like, all of the, the Gen Next adjacent matches on this show. You had Kushida versus Virgil Flynn. You had Sonata against BJ Black. And you had this. All three matches. Just very good, enjoyable matches. Well, sounds like something else I know. Not about weight limits, Liam. It's about age limits. Cyrus was talking about all the history Jigsaw and Sanjay had in CZW, to which Chael said, I remember that, of course. Angus <laughs> you didn't watch it. <laughs> and then, which I, I, I must retort. The one Cyrus and say, did you? <laughs> I don't think he's a big CDW fan. Yeah, I think he went on cagematch.com. <laughs> .de. Hey, maybe he was. Maybe he was on the CZW fan boards. Mm, that's where he... With one John Blood, but... who you can listen to talk about the 20 years of TNA history on the latest You've Got to Beginning Me episode. World class segue. Plug? That's yeah. a plug, it's not a segue. Well, it's a segue into a plug. That's true. Uh, later in the show, there's an interview with Jigsaw, shooks hands with Sanjay. They're like, that's a great match. I'm so proud of you. What are your thoughts on this uh, promo from Jigsaw? Thought it was fine. Oh, because 2017 Garrett oh, no. said Jigsaw delivered a comically bad Kalisto level promo backstage. Again, have I have my standards dropped or is it just I was being mean? Your standards have not dropped considering how you talk about every other piece of modern professional wrestling. Like I did not bump on that Jigsaw promo whatsoever here. I'm like, yeah, it's just a backstage promo. A comically bad Kalisto-level promo backstage post. God, that was mean of me. Even just the troll-shaded Kalisto. I know that Kalisto promo is famously hideous, but... Good lucha things, would. But, yeah. God, 2017 me was mean. I actually did notice that, because I, I, I did the top 50 matches in TNA history list for the 20th anniversary, which you can go look at, at VoicesWrestling.com, but that was an updated version... Ben, we're just killing it with this. I know. <laughs> that was an updated version of a list I wrote in 2017. I updated it for 22, 22. And there was a bunch of stuff where I just took a bunch of shit out. It's like, stop it. <laughs> stop it. You, you're trying too hard here. Just, no, cut it. Cut some, cut a bunch of nonsense. Did you um change your number one? You don't have to tell. Don't, don't give it away to the people. But No, I didn't. I only, I didn't update most of like the top end of the list. That's mostly the same. I added a bunch of matches from the, the, the modern era. Uh, so we had a recap of all the Aldis and Kongo Kong stuff. Then we had another Chris Mordetsky feature. <laughs> he's finally mm. going to wrestle next week. It's him against Brian Myers. About time. He's fi- he's one off tying up Kevin Cross. <laughs> so Chael Sonnen was in the ring. He's doing a promo. I don't know why. Sure is. I forgot about this. Nothing really happened. He shouts at Phil Baroni at ringside. He hits some Scott Hall lines before he calls out Virgil Flynn. Yes. Chael informs him that Jeff Jarrett was so impressed by his match against Kushida that Virgil, despite losing, will be in the next-gen tournament. He should have been more impressed with Kushida. Is it next-gen or gen-next? It's gen-next, isn't it? It is gen... It's the next-gen 
It is next gen, says you, from True Honey But I've written it down both ways here in 2022, so there's no way I'm knowing. You, you, you wrote next gen. It is next gen. I've checked the graphic. So it's next gen. The next, the next division. Anyway, so Virgil Flynn will be in that tournament. PJ Black comes out. He's like, "Good job, buddy. Your match against Kushida was great. I wish you luck." And then he super kicked him. Yeah, it was a good. It was a good super kick too. To which Cyrus Fee said on commentary, "Liam, you've got to be kidding me." Yeah, and we got a. He hit the line. That's the name of our podcast. It is. You, you may have heard of it. Buzz marketing it on, on Global Force Wrestling. Thank you, Jeff. We never got. We never got a Rinka King. You've got to be kidding me. It's very disappointing. If we had called our podcast Boot to the Face, baby, we would have been swimming in that SEO. We should have, we should have called our podcast Boot to the Face, baby. So we did a Brian Myers feature. He faces Chris Mordetsky next week. He pretended he was interested in GFW while under contract to WWE. Yes. Which is very nice of him to be like, oh, you know, when Global Force started, I was still in WWE and I was really keeping up with Global Force. Yeah, I was really excited about it. I'm a big Brian Myers guy, so I'm always down for some Brian Myers. I found it interesting how he seemed like so much less comfortable doing this promo than he obviously does now. Yeah. Not like he had a ton of them in WWE. I would have thought him a guy who's okay doing character work. And like, no, he's kind of nervous here. It's kind of funny. I think it's because like, it's not meant to be a character. It's meant to just be the mm. guy, which is obviously something he has a lot more experience with now. And he's just being a baby face here, I guess. I think he's just like, he's just being himself. Mm. And like he's probably used to being like a smarmy character, yeah. you know? as you could see on all of those superstars matches. I'm not even throwing shade. Like superstars used to be the show I watched, and NXT Redemption. Seen those killer eight minute Brian Myers matches. Brian Myers versus Trent Beretta. Brian Myers versus Tyson Kidd. Brian Myers versus Drew McIntyre. Brian Myers teaming up with Tyler Rex. Oh, the Tyler Rex era. Brian Myers teaming up with Lance Archer as the gate crashes. <laughs> What a stable. What a group. What a team. I, I, listen, I know my fucking Brian Myers fed stuff, alright? Mm, you clearly do. He was my guy. Did you know he teamed with Zack Ryder? No, I was unfamiliar with that run. I only came in once he uh, grew the hair out and dressed like AJ Styles. You only know the superstars era. Yeah, yeah, the good era. Uh, Reno Scum feature, they talk about how they are who they are both in the ring and outside of the ring and they'll face Los Luchas next week. Fair play to Reno Scum for being Reno Scum for like seven years. Yeah, straight. they've stuck to that act, no matter what. Yeah, Adam Thornstone, of course, having that one PWG match. Good for him. He's a good wrestler. Yeah, it was nice. He was actually it was it's a fun little match, but the crowd was really into mm. him. And then our main event: Congo Kong versus Nick Aldis in a global title tournament first round match. Yeah, I thought it was all right. Yeah, the crowd were into it. The crowd got increasingly into it. As Aldis hit a superplex and the top rope elbow, Kong kicked out. The crowd was super into that. Kong missed the moonsault. Aldis hit the spine shaker, which is mm. a bad move, but he won. Mm. Uh, how did you feel about Aldis's performance here, guys? I thought he was a, a pretty good, if a little bland, baby face. Mm. Oh, no, what did I say in 2017? <laughs> <laughs> you simply said Kong outshined him here. Ah. Uh... I would say that's probably true, because, like, the whole thing is the big dude did the moonsault, which is more impressive than anything Aldis did in the match. Hmm. Though there was a moment where Kong tried to climb the ropes, and they clearly edited it, but Kong fell over, but <laughs> they left in the you fucked up chance. <laughs> I mean, what are they gonna do? Cut out the audio? Well, yes. Too hard. But here we are. Yeah. Aldis wins, Aldis advances. He should really stick to the Michinoku driver as the finish instead of the spine shaker. Magdaddy driver. And then next week, we will have Los Luchas versus Reno Scum, a confrontation between Jeff Jarrett and Bobby Roode, and <gasps> Brian Myers versus Chris, Chris Mordetsky. I'm excited. I did find it very funny that Congo Kong, in the graphics earlier in the show, was billed at seven feet tall, 
or as Nick Aldis was billed at six foot four. And if you look at them in the ring together, right here, I don't think there is literally anything between them. Maybe even Aldis is slightly taller. Global Force heights. Can't trust them. And that is Global Force Amped Anthology Part 1. Well, Garrett, it's time for some final thoughts. I'll go on, read them to me. <laughs> this is because nobody wrestled more than once, these four episodes smushed together work surprisingly well as a package. Everything flowed pretty smoothly, each episode consisting of two matches and some video packages or a promo made things breeze on by, even if episode three dragged a little. There were a bunch of really good matches and they at least tried to establish characters. Would this have succeeded as a standalone TV show? It's tough to say. They had a tremendously interesting roster, mostly given giving them the chance they needed to shine, but ultimately, most of the characters fell flat and most of the shows currently built around the early stages of multiple tournaments seemed to lack story hooks to keep people coming back. Each episode would have been an easy, enjoyable watch, but likely little more than that. As a standalone package two years later, though, this is honestly more than worth your time. The various matches feel unique, most of the wrestling was really fun, and the sheer novelty of it all, considering where all the people featured on this show uh, two years later, is just a flat-out fun watch. It's certainly miles better than the usual one-night-only muck. You know what? That's actually pretty good. I'm more or less right there. Yeah. And then you start talking about just horrible things, you know? That's always my my wrap-ups. It's like, well, how is this wrestling show? Now let me tell you about the world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me tell you about the Harris Brothers. Hey, stop it. It says it right after the muck. Then you go, the Harris Brothers were The actually... muck, yeah. You know, I'm consistent there. Uh, yeah, there we go. That's uh, 2017. We summed it up pretty well. Let's go to Garrett's about the author. It's just like I write about TNI. <laughs> it's not even true. <laughs> I, I haven't updated that since like 2014. <laughs> Writes about TNA for Voices of Wrestling, tweets about things on Twitter at twitter.com slash Garrett Kidney, does podcasts about things at soundcloud.com slash TWSKK. Really update that podcast link. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, thought, that's, is that the podcast you do, huh? Cool. Yeah, I, like as a TV show, would this have worked? I don't think so. I think the episodes would have been too boring. Yeah, they're not exactly hot fire shows, are they? Like, as like forty five minutes, they would have breezed on by. They would have been like easy watches every week. But would you have been like, this is appointment television? Absolutely not. Mm. Do you have any? Do you mm. have any wrap up thoughts on Ring King? Yeah, God damn it, Global Force Wrestling. <laughs> um. No. All right. I don't. Follow us on Twitter at TNA History Pod. Follow me on Twitter at Garrett Kidney. Follow Liam on Twitter at The Gleet Muta. Thanks for listening, man. Bye bye. Hi, my name is Tyler Fornis, and I am the co host of The Good, The Bad, and The Hunky here on the Voice Wrestling Podcasting Network. Every week, my co host Fred Moreland and I discuss all the happenings of all elite wrestling and everything going on in the universe of Tony Khan. We talk about Dynamite, we talk about Rampage, and we will talk about Collision when the time comes as well, along with all the appearances outside of AEW from all the best talents in all elite wrestling. This is one of the more cohesive wrestling companies in the entire world, and we discuss every intricacy about it, including the unique booking of Tony Khan that is both a huge positive and a major detriment. Check us out every single Thursday here on the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting Network.